when we're feeling pressure, those I think are sure signs that we're attached. And, and I agree with you. It's so f- number one for attachment. If I feel that kind of emotional clinging or constriction, it's it's breathing. You know, just long exhales that will calm you. Like you can't anger. Um, worry, those things cannot stand in the face of a technique that you're doing that's going to put your parasympathetic nervous system into dominance. Like those, those emotions can't stand if you're taking your awareness and putting it on something else like the breath. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel those things. You're going to feel them. And in fact, that's extremely important. But when you put your awareness on your breath, you're not putting your awareness on the commentary about it. What if I don't achieve it? What if it rains? What if the swim gets canceled? What if, you know, I don't get the money that I need to do the thing? What if I, that, when we start giving that our attention and our focus, that's the invitation for more of that to expand. But that stuff cannot stand. Those emotions cannot stay if we're putting our awareness on something as powerful as the breath. And it sounds so simple, but it is the perfect tool for all mankind. But if you just take it a little by little, just begin like the 30 by 100s. I could not do that if I didn't do one 100 years ago. So everything takes, just takes time. Just be kind to yourself. You'll get to where you need to go, but step back and just meet yourself where you're at now and have some, have some self-love, right? Some self-love and acceptance that, that you're powerful enough in who you are today to take you where you want to go tomorrow. Trust, trust that. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, I'm here with Beach and our dog Clark. This is the O Show. This is our July edition of the Open and Honest Show where we just dive in. So we're gonna start diving in, Beach. Make the splash. <laughs> Where do we start? I don't know if you want to talk about the swim this week. I think the swim was actually something that's, I know we're going right in. Here we go. <laughs> the swim was something I've been, uh, I've worked uh, on for the past few years and I've taken a break from it. I don't know why. Uh, it doesn't matter why, but I reintroduced it yesterday at the pool, it's 30 by 100s on a short rest period. And as I was leaving the pool, as I was leaving the house to go do this session, uh, early afternoon, which backtrack story in my mind that says I can only do really hard sets first thing in the morning, right? That story was, um, was tested many times in the past year. So it's, it's untrue. So I can swim many time of the day and still perform and do hard sets. So if you're listening to this and you've got hard lines and when you need to swim in order to do your best set, challenge that belief over and over again so that it doesn't have power over you like it did me. So I went out, uh, left the house and you said, which is so perfect because you do call me out a lot for my stuff, which I appreciate. (laughs) And you were like, there's no giving up. There's no Stop in short. There's no, it's not your day. There's no, uh, I'll just do it later in the week. It was go out and get the set done no matter how it looked. Because 3100s is it's quite daunting if you look at it from an outside perspective, right? Can over and over and over again, you're just swimming the same distance for, I don't know, an hour, I think. 
3,000 yards. Uh, but yeah, I just, I think that sent me off with a nice, nice little bit of motivation. And I know motivation is temporary, but I'll use it in this, in this experience. And I got to the pool and I had, uh, no, no expectation. Although I had the workout to hit, you know, 135, you know, lead, the send time was 135. For the 100s, I didn't have an attachment to, it's got to go a certain way. I needed to hit a certain time. And I think that is the growth that's happened in my relationship with the water and these hard sets. It's to just show up without drama, without a story, without attachment to the outcome, and just simply swim. And so I just swam, and I did one after the other after the other, and just kept taking it uh, but 100 at a time, 100, at, one, 100 at a time. And I always, I don't always, but most often I'll put this little thought in my mind that says, I'm going to go until I don't make the time. So keep going until you need to make a decision. You don't need to make a decision when you still have five seconds rest. You don't need to decide anything. You just need to keep going and keep going until you don't. I finished all 30 well under the time, five seconds. I at least had four or five seconds, if not six seconds, most of the 100. So I could have done probably another 30 more, if not more. So the point of this is getting yourself to the pool, which is an obstacle for a lot of people, to do a challenging set, whatever it is, running, biking, or swimming. Go there and have the experience without attachment to the outcome. Without, without really getting your fingers dirty and how it has to all play out. Instead, give it up to, give it up to the day, give it up to the experience and see what you can learn from it. And that's what I did. And that's what I came away with. And last night and this morning, I've got a renewed, refreshed confidence just because I did that set. Back to the glory days that we've talked about before. Like, where was I in this set, you know, a couple of years, a couple of months ago? It isn't where I am now. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The the benefit of doing workouts like this and putting yourself in the experience and not judging yourself on on whether you completed it or did some of it or or failed, what we like to call learning. It doesn't matter. What you take away from it is that gain in self confidence and belief that. You trusted yourself to get to the pool, to go do the set and give yourself a shot. And that's the takeaway I, I, I pulled from it again. You know, I'm not, I'm not immune to these um, experiences myself, the ones that I give all our athletes. So quite the up level. Um, I also think there's a math component to this, just to, to finish that off, where when you leave on 135, if you guys are listening and you're unfamiliar with how to read a pull clock. 135 is not the easiest, but it's not the most challenging. It's just doing a little bit of math and then you find the flow and it really, really grounds you. What are the send times on 135? Isn't it like... So 135, like, then the 10, yeah, then the 45, then the 20, then the 55, then the 30, then the 05, then the 40, then the 15 and the 50 and you just keep going around and around. I love that. So much fun. So <laughs> the the great the great thing about math, although it's challenging, 
it does root you in the moment. It really gets you focused. You've got to be on. You've got to be ready to send off at that next time. So uh, presence. Presence is everything. And then as you get deeper into the set, I think you're starting to experience this too as you build back up your swim. I know you went through a swim phase there where you're swimming a lot and then you kind of took a little break and now you're back into it because of the races coming up. You, As you get deeper into a set, you get more engaged. I feel like not only mindfully and mentally, but in the body, everything becomes concentrated. I feel the water, feel my hips turn. I feel a light kick. I feel that br- that quick breath, like you feel it all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's s- some things in there that you probably want to. There's a lot that kept coming up, but then I just wanted to keep listening. But is there a difference between expectation and attachment? Mm-hmm. Should we not have expectations? Oh, we can have expectations. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like goals. Yeah, goals, I think we absolutely should expect to achieve what we want to achieve. It's the attachment. It's the attachment that will just drag you under. I was just talking to someone before um, before we started this podcast, and they were talking, they have a goal. And so they they stated the goal and then they said, but I don't I don't want to get like, you know, be doing all this stuff because of the pressure and you know, so, you know, if it happens, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Have the goal, but that pressure is coming for the attachment. It's coming from the attachment, right? Like you're not, we set the goal, which is the outcome, but you're not entitled to that. All you're entitled to is every day getting up and working towards that goal. And when we do that in earnest and we do it from a place of, uh, being grounded in in presence each day, and a lot of other qualities like gratitude and um, and the truth that you know we are very powerful, creative beings. A lot of other truths that we want to be grounded in throughout a, our day. We realize that the outcome is actually like that's not where the joy is. Like the joy is all along, and joy is not an emotional state. Joy is a state of being, and I would say it leans more into just like a a state of contentment, just like a rooted state of like contentment where nothing needs to change. So I think we should absolutely expect big, huge, amazing things for our life. But when we feel the pressure, when we feel um, like any kind of emotion that's like clingy, that's when we know we're getting attached. So, and I know you've experienced it. I've experienced it. Um How do you work with it if you feel that emotion coming on or the pressure? It's all attachments, just other words for attachment. How do you work with that? Yeah, and the attachment, it doesn't matter what the goal or expectation is. It could be anything. It's our, we're putting, it's how we react to that attachment is what's at the root of that. It's it's my personal response. It could be anything. It could be running a fast 5K. It could be, speaking very clearly in this podcast. It doesn't matter what it is. It's it's my interpretation of of the attachment to that goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically like you want to be vested, right? Which I guess is kind of like attachment, but it's the emotional component. Which is everything that which is under my control is what I'm saying. 
Like I can, I have the power to yeah. choose how I react to all this, the pressure. Once you say, state a goal, you may say, well, yeah, I'm not really attached to it. But if you're, it's working things up inside of you, creating some level of stress or anxiousness, then, then you're not fully detached. We were talking about that, being fully detached. But so how do I work with it? I'm trying to recall it, like at the top of my head, unless you can remember something recently where I really was attached. I can't. But when I was attached, when I was attached to things, at first I couldn't see it. Well, and I think it could be, I think it could be even little things, like moments where we try to control something, right? We're attached to the way something should be. The spatula. Yeah, going back to the Tina Muir. <laughs> so I guess podcast, it has happened. It has happened recently, just not in performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how do you work with that? Like when you feel any kind of attachment. Which is the attachment is attachment, right? Fear is fear, right. joy is joy. Um, there's not different types of it. It just it just is. I guess I just I I kinda take a breath, which is to me seems so easy and simple and it's the perfect tool. It's my default now. Just step away, take a breath, like get chill. Right. Anything that's get chill, man. Get chill. Do you ever have to like talk yourself off the yes, ledge? Is there any absolutely. I'm getting some intel here? Yeah. <laughs> so, for sure. So let's say I do something that you really want to control because I'm not doing it the way that you want me to do it, which might happen every day. Um what what's the dialogue in your head? Like when you're trying not to control, when you're trying to I think immediately now it's like or most often it's like it's what it, it's no big deal like why am i getting fired up about something like like that is so small and i can see this like i'm the witness of this and then i choose the opposite george i'll go the opposite yeah for me the default is opposite like instead of getting charged i'll just be like i'm i'm cool man i'm chill <laughs> i was cool until it wasn't cool um I think that's a good technique. Like the like, zoom out. Like, is this really a big deal? It's not. It's most often our stuff is not a big deal. And I think that we can also say that with our goals too, right? Like, we this is a this is a a gift that we get to work towards things. That manifestation of something in our life, either a goal, so like um, you know something that a physical activity leads to achieving something or something that actually is a material thing. Our ability to manifest is a gift from the universe to ensure that we have fun along the way because there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges that we get thrown in this earth school and every day we're going to learn but yeah, when we're feeling pressure, those I think are sure signs that we're attached. And, and I agree with you. It's so f- number one for attachment. If I feel that kind of emotional clinging or constriction, it's it's breathing. You know, just long exhales that will calm you. Like you can't anger, um, worry. Those things cannot stand in the face of a technique that you're doing that's going to put your parasympathetic nervous system into dominance. Like those, those emotions can't stand if you're taking your awareness and putting it on something else like the breath. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel those things. You're going to feel them. And in fact, that's extremely important. But when you put your awareness on your breath, you're not putting your awareness on the commentary about it. Well, what if I don't achieve it? What if it rains? What if the swim gets canceled? What if, you know, I don't get the money that I need to do the thing? What if I... That when we start 
giving that our attention and our focus, that's the invitation for more of that to expand. But that stuff cannot stand. Those emotions cannot stay if we're putting our awareness on something as powerful as the breath. And it sounds so simple, but it is the perfect tool for all mankind. It is the perfect tool. And swimming is the perfect exercise for this because yeah, you need to take a breath every two strokes. So you're constantly focusing on the breath. So yesterday, t- in this example you're talking or we talked about, yeah, my breath was getting elevated, right? Like I'm, but then my my practice in doing this over and over again is to just think calm, be calm, take the next breath. And I just really talked to myself. I'm like, what am I getting so antsy about? I've been, I've hit the last ten at the same pace. Why would that change for the next one that I'm in right now? Yeah, you know, I kind so of have these conversations. At truth, looking yeah. at truth. There's no evidence that says I'm panicky, I need to fluster in the pool, I need to push really hard to make the time. There's no evidence of that. There is evidence that if I just keep trusting calm, I will hit 3100s at one one second off of, you know, one to two seconds max off the same time because it's all on feel. I feel it. I've done the work. I've been there. I've had the tendency of the mind to get kind of wrapped up in in the what ifs and going way into the future and then going into the past and saying, I haven't done these in a while or I should be faster. When you just, just like drop resistance. Yeah, we're hitting on like some drop we're hitting resistance. On, we're hitting on all the, the gold buttons today because there's also doubt in there, right? Like, what if I don't hit the next one? Can I keep? So we start introducing doubt. And I found the most spectacular. Um, the jazz hands. Uh, I've got jazz <laughs> hands right now. I'm so excited. The most spectacular explanation of this mind virus of doubt in the Yoga Sutras, which is, um, and I, I wrote it in my journal and I journaled about it and it's in the thing. So let's see what I can remember. I'll paraphrase it. But basically doubt is, so if I am entertaining doubt about something, it's because I am not willing to penetrate the very thing that I'm doubting to see the truth. So it's actually lazy. It says that in the sutras. It's laziness when we're doubting because we're not looking at the truth. We're not looking, what is the truth right now? What is the truth, right? And that truth will set you free. It really does. And doubt is, it's, uh, it can hold you captive. It can just squash your goals and your dreams and your uh, belief in yourself. And really all it is, is just a bypass of taking the time to ask yourself, what is true right now? What's true is that I'm hitting the numbers, right? And even if you weren't hitting the numbers, what is true? Okay, I'm not hitting the numbers. Okay, is the earth still spinning? Is the sun still shining? Is oxygen coming into my lungs? Like, what is the truth? The truth is I'm fine. The truth is this is no big deal. So there's many different, you know, layers and many different ways to come at it depending on the situation that you're in. But I encourage everyone, like, look for truth. Look for truth. Truthfulness. It's so fluid. It's it's always with you. And so the mind being that default, um, you know, will go into that default mode of just going to what is known. And so if we're practicing doubt, that's going to be our default mode. And it's actually just kind of a lazy mechanism of the mind. Um, and I think it also 
uh, overlooks how powerful and strong and amazing we are when we're doubting ourselves. Um, so I would, I would dig into that and, and look at that and journal about it. Yeah, get it out. In get, that, it out. <laughs> get it out. Get, get it out. Get it out. Like, get, we've got to release the suppression. Like, you got to yeah. off-gas that doubt, man. The, the post that I did, I started with, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the doubt is going to be there, and, and you'll always put it, push it off. Like, if your default is to always, if your recent past has always been the pattern that you're creating, is to get out of the pool, stop at 10, stop at 8, whatever, Take a big break, you know, mix them up. Like if that is your default pattern, that's what you're practicing. When will there ever be a time when it's going to be perfect? Like when you sent me off yesterday, what's, what, what took a hold of me was just get all 30 in. Like just get all 30 in. It doesn't really matter how it happens. Just get all 30 in. Um, because I think the tendency for most athletes is to focus on what they can control, which is the time, right? The time on their watch, the time that they're supposed to hit. And when that, when that doesn't happen, there's no plan B. There's no like, there's no wiggle room basically. Yeah, well, there's, there's no flexibility. the resistance, right? Like that ability to kind of All or nothing. So yeah, doubt's always going to be available, but so is belief. But truth is always right in the middle going, hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm truth. Just look at me. I will be, I will solve all your problems. That was yesterday. Like literally what was the truth? The truth was I was hitting the same time every time. So the only thing that was getting in the way is my mind. Potentially my mind would say, you're not hitting the times you're supposed to hit. Get out of the pool. Like, yeah, it's the small self that has like the um. You like, gotta be onto it. The microphone, you know, <laughs> the like, megaphones. And then there's the big self that is the subtle voice. I know better now. I think that's the subtle voice inside. It's like you can do this. Like you, you can do this. You just need to. You just need to keep going. Yeah. Don't. don't and even if you weren't hitting the times. Even if you weren't hitting the times, right? Because there'll be times that we don't hit the times. For sure. Um, the lack, the lack of acceptance of that is going to make you suffer, right? So there's the yes. there's the dropping of the resistance. So if anybody's interested in, um, like a, a book about dropping resistance, <laughs> read the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. That's a great one. Really, really great book. Um, super fun. It's like there's times also like it will show you. Um, what's activated within you. Like there were times during that book where I was like, what? I can't believe this is happening. Like that's not even legal. Like, wow, like why is that person doing that to him? And and um, just everything that goes on in his life. And the premise of the book is he just decides that he's going to go, he's not going to fight the flow of life anymore. He's just going to be like, he's just not going to fight the flow of life. So you make the times, you don't make the times, whatever. You just keep doing the work, right? You keep you have, saying yes. Yeah. Keep saying you, yes. You have the right to the work, but not to the fruits. Do the work for the sake of the work uh, and don't fight what comes at you. Yeah, it's a really good book. Love that book. All right, The Swim. That was, that was, that was good. I thought there was some good messaging in there. I felt like we well, I think this is pulled the, out some good stuff. Yeah, it's the merging of what we do in training and the endurance world and merging that with opportunity to, to train the mind. Yeah. I mean, it's mindfulness. It's in sport. It's just 
beautiful. Yeah. But you got to be awake to it. So it's not like, I think the work that we do off the, off the, out of the pool, off the bike and out of our running shoes, sitting on a pillow, meditation pillow and spending time. Oh my God. Yeah. Needs to happen, must happen to be present for the experiences that show themselves in these training sessions. And then there's also, you got to get up and get out and training. I mean, that's, that goes without saying, you got to go train. Yeah. Life is going to be more easeful for sure. Um, and then there'll be times w- because you're aware, cause you've got that gap all squared away where your awareness is and where you can see your thoughts that in the moment, like yesterday, when you're doing the swim, you use the techniques, but this, this kind of leads me into the work I'm, I'm doing with Lawrence, Lawrence Van Lingen and working with his inner runner program, highly recommend, highly recommend, highly recommend this program. Um, and it's all online. It's it's so good. And you can work with him online too. But um his his belief, it's so aligned. I just I just love the way he does things. It's so out of the box. It's so against the grain. Is like working on your running form. You don't work on your running form during running. Like the majority of work on your running form is done outside of running. And it's all tied into posture and um and just these amazing, very creative. Uh, exercises that he has and the way that he articulates cues, you know, like this, this, uh, the, the cue of like leaning forward to run. No, it's a shift forward from your hips. And he like kind of describes the differences. And I love the way he takes you through, um, like he'll have you do these couple exercises like, okay, here's the cue that you always hear. Now do this exercise. Now, now feel that. And then now here's this other cue that, you know, that makes a whole lot of more sense and will, will benefit you and feel this in your body. And so he kind of shows you like, and you feel it in your body and it's great because now you're embodying it. And that's what we're doing on the cushion. And that's what we're doing throughout our day is that we're embodying the practice. Like you can, well, we were listening to that thing with Ram Das, like there's knowledge and there's wisdom. And so there's a lot of knowledge in this world. There's a lot of books being read and that's great. Um, but you got to put that stuff into action so that you have experience and then you gain wisdom. Um, so yeah, like it's training your mind is not done on race day, right? It's done every day. It's not day. done in the books and it's not done yeah, on... Yeah, it's done every day. Every day, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that so. work I'm doing with with Lawrence. It's 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 wonderful. So well, why are you why, why are you doing that? It's, you notice something, you know, in your gait, you're running. Yeah, gait. yeah. Like my right foot was kicking out, and uh, there's a whole string of things that happen when that. <laughs> why don't you happens. just take the foot and just? Why don't you just? <laughs> you showed just, me that too. You were like, "Well, if I just walk like this," and you're like, "That doesn't feel good at all." Yeah, well, I've been walking like that, and now it's starting to <laughs> feel normal. Um, yeah, there's a whole thing, like a string of things that happen when th- that happens, and I've and it's been doing it for years, right? So it's a bad form that I have practiced for decades, and now we're starting to unwind that, and it's great to see how uh, resilient the body is. But what has happened is that, you know, I'm overusing hamstrings and calf and um, not using the glutes as much. And, and furthermore, what's happening is that I'm not 
giving uh, room for my hips to really float and to have a lot of room and be tall. And so you see that, um, and I've seen it in so many of my race pictures, like where somebody's running and they're like kind of collapsing into their hip. That is exactly what I've been doing. And so we're working with my posture on that. And here's the cool thing for you meditators out there, um, like the cues that I've been working with, with the shifting of hips forward, I've recognized that that is the same exact cue and the same movement that I do when I sit in meditation is that I'm shifting the hips, not dumping into the back. So that's something you want to be really careful about. But it's this tallness. So you've got this integrity in your spine. And I'm now taking that and doing different exercises as well as obviously sitting in meditation every day but that's helping it translate into running and it, it feels different. Like my, there's things that like weren't happening before. Like my chest is soft, um, like feet are relaxed. And so, um, you know, I've had a sore foot for many years and then the other foot started to get sore, which is a byproduct of this bad form and um, the bad form that's allowing me to make beautiful changes and then it was just like, oh my God, my both of my feet hurt so bad. So that was my sucks enough. Like it couldn't, like I was like, ah, oh, I got one good foot and one foot that's sore. Then I had two sore feet and uh, really, really sore after Mendocino. I took a big break after that and um, building back up. And I, I feel, I feel pretty good. You know, I'm doing, doing the best I can with this body and the patterns I've developed. And, you know, I, I love this body. It's, it's just, ah. So amazing! I love it. I can't believe what what it does and how forgiving it is. And um, yeah, so working with just uh, moving in new ways, more useful ways. So doing that with the mind, and now I'm doing it with the body. The body's following. It's great. Yeah, two things there. You're doing the work, right? You're doing the exercises. You're investing time in yourself and doing the inner runner program. The the breathing and really immersing yourself in it. The second thing also is you're not you're not diving into why it's happening. In in terms of why is my foot like how did my foot get like this? Like what are the what are the things that happen that I can do to avoid it in the future? So you're you're not seeking the why, you're in the solution to what's what's presenting itself right now. Yeah, I'm not dissecting the form that I had. I just went to Lauren's and I was like, both of my feet really hurt. And he was like, okay, let's look. So he did, he took my right leg and he he did this thing to internally rotate my hip. And he was just like, that's a problem. No, he said, that's problematic. <laughs> and I was like, and then we just started there. And it's like getting the hips. He's really, really adamant, uh, I think, overall about getting the pelvis like positioned really nicely and the hips floating and and feeling good and like that that there's this ease that he brings to as he educates athletes this ease to their running which doesn't mean like when I race my body's not gonna be on fire like yeah it's going to be on fire but um I think this is I don't think this is gonna help me stay in the game longer it's of course, yeah. You're in the game for a long time. We both are. Yeah, and I just don't think like two sore feet, like 
that's like, oh, well, you should never run again. No, like, that's crazy. God, no, there's, never. There's limitless solutions right. to every predicament. So you can sit in the problem like, oh, why did I do this? I should have sought help a long time ago. But um, I know you love my voices that I do. Uh, Who talks like that? <laughs> I was I like sinking down. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just really cool to work with this vehicle. I think uh, Lawrence is a similar body worker or uh, what do we call him? Kind of like a, a Structural, healer. Like, yeah, healer. he's definitely a healer. Uh, Eni Jones comes to mind in her swimming technique of yes. like the salsa in the hip, the salsa dancing in the he's hips. Like, it's like a yes. gentle, and it might not have anything to do with how your hand enters the water or anything like that, but it's... I feel like they parallel each other in the in the way they approach a secondary level to the movement that's needed in the activity that they're performing at. Well, and they've created it through their own experience. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, right. Eni did the same thing. Yeah, they're very, they're very, they're not similar, not the but same, they're right. but in essence, in their approach, very creative, very unique, and very effective. In, in how, like, yeah, Eni, like the way she would teach cues and the way that she has you um, do different drills in the pool and stuff so out of the box. Yeah, that's Lawrence too. He's, yeah. he's magnificent. It feels so great. And he's like super fun to talk to as well. We think we just love going up there. <laughs> he's right up the street. He's an hour up the road in Laguna. So we get to see him uh, firsthand. Yeah, person. so I feel, uh, feel good going into the race this weekend. Yeah, so big... Big weekend for the team. Actually, we have a bunch of people racing, not just Oregon, but the Boulder Peak. We've got uh, another race Justin's doing, a sprint triathlon in Michigan. So we've got some things happening. So how do you feel about the re-entry into 70.3 racing? Yeah. Um, we've done some ath- some results stalking a little bit on yourself from past... Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see like what... nine? Nine races? Um. I have done nine. Yeah, this will be 10. I haven't done half Ironman since 2017, did Santa Rosa. And uh, yeah, I remember crossing the finish line. I had a great, great race. I had a great run. I remember I wanted to break two hours. I think I did like a 157. That wasn't my fastest. I think I've done a 148.8. No, I think 548 is my fastest I've broken two on the run a couple of times. 548 is my fastest half. Um, so, yeah, just looking back at, you know, what I've done in the past. I mean, I've done everything from like a three-hour half marathon, which was the first half Ironman I did, Deuce Man in uh, Arizona. Gosh, where was it? When was that? 2006, I think. 2005 yeah. or 2006. Yeah, I think One it was 2006. Um, and my shoes were too small. And it was extremely painful, and that was one of the hardest things I ever did. And uh, so it was kind of fun to look back on Athlinks and just look like, wow, uh, Moose Man, um, Timberman, Syracuse. Syracuse, Patriot, uh, 5430 Long Course, which is now Boulder Half Ironman. Um, yeah, I feel good. I'm. This is so. This is my return to 70.3. I recall really liking this race and you know the last since 2017 I've done I don't even know nine or ten ultra marathons um 
which I'm sure fast-tracked uh, the whole foot pain thing because <laughs> I was running a lot. And um, so I have a lot of endurance. I mean, I've been doing, I've been in this game now for 18, almost 19 years. And um, I remember really liking this distance. And so you think like a six-hour race feels, that feels pretty good. Um and uh, our sub six hour race, I should say, is the goal. And um, I'm excited. I feel joyful. I feel, I feel different. I don't feel any pressure. I feel different than than I have in the past. I just feel like I'm going to go out there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do really well for myself. What do you think about the taper that's been happening, like? Yeah, I've been feeling like super achy. Um, but do you trust? Do you trust? Oh, totally. Yeah. Trust the taper. Yeah, there's no, there's no mental, um, there's no, there's no mental issues here. Like I'm, I'm not. Um, that's not the right word. I'm not worried. I'm not like, oh, what am I going to be on race day? No. Um, I love the race week. I mean, I love how you kind of ring us out. Like Sunday, we were doing some race pace efforts. And at the end you said, you know, if you, if you, if you still feel good, you can do another five minutes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do another five minutes. And I think I saw you on the rail trail and I was like, well, the bolts are starting to, <laughs> the bolts are starting to shake a little bit, but I'm going to get this done and just really wringing that out. And then I love to see how the body recovers. And so body's been feeling a little achy, uh, but I've been getting plenty of sleep. And today you were out on a bike ride and I was like, I was on the phone with someone and I was just like, oh, whoa, like I feel really, this body feels really tired. I'm just going to go upstairs and sleep. And I was like, no, you're not. Get on the mat. Your body doesn't feel that great. Get on the mat. I did 40 minutes of yoga and then I did a 20 minute meditation and then I got on the bike and I did half an hour bike with uh, one minute race pace efforts. And it was just a half an hour. So I love, I love that. I love how, like we're still going out, we're still doing some race pace stuff, but it's 30 minutes. It's like nothing. It was a 15 minute warm up, five times one minute race pace, one minute clerk is literally walking on the laptop. Um, one minute easy. And uh, yeah, I feel good. I think get a good night's rest tonight, get a good night's rest tomorrow night. I'm going to be, I'm going to pop on race day. I don't need to feel ready to race right now on Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to feel ready to race on Sunday morning. So by Sunday morning, I'm going to be great. So body feels strong. Of course you're going to be great. Yeah. You're, you're totally going to rip it. Uh, and I can't wait to be there and I can, I can wait to be there, but I can't. <laughs> it's just going to be so exciting to spectate and cheer you guys on. But backtrack to that moment where you wanted to nap or rest and you got Instead, you said yoga and meditation. So how does, how does someone get through that? Because, well, how does someone get through that? Well, um, how can they work through I that? I have knowledge that says um, my body feels tight and achy. So flowing through yoga is going to make my body feel better. And then I also have knowledge, which I've shared on this podcast many, many times, and with all of the athletes that I work with, that meditation is more restful than sleep. So why would I sleep when I have a tool that's going to actually help me recover and be more restful than to go up and take a nap? 
Now, that doesn't mean I'm just going to meditate all the time. I'm not going to sleep at night anymore. The body needs rest. This body needs rest. But I got plenty of rest last night. And so if I had these two things that I could do that I knew was going to energize me and help me feel really good, whereas going upstairs and laying down was going to, I knew it was going to make me feel flat. I just knew, like, I just don't want to be flat. Like, I wanted to still be activated. I'm not running myself into the ground. Like I said, I got plenty of rest. But meditation is more restful than sleep. It's energizing. Yoga nidra is more restful than sleep. So when we take naps, when we go and we lay down, because we do do that, we'll lay down for 15 minutes or so, I put a yoga nidra on. And sometimes the body does fall asleep and that's just what happens. But today, and it's different every day, but today was... I opted for something that was going to relax me, make my body feel better, and um, and energize me. And then I got on the bike and I felt great. I mean, I felt energized to get on the bike. The legs feel a little heavy, but well, that's, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be the detachment from. Yeah, you got to feel really good in taper. I'll, I'll tell you, most often things come up in taper. Like, I mean, I remember driving to Cordeline and like I couldn't move my neck or my shoulder because <laughs> I had slept wrong with our dogs. Um, or your knee. Remember your knee thing up in Santa Rosa? Oh, yeah, like, that was spectacular. So there's things that happen during the week and even before. Just it's it's the weight we put on them. It's the 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 the, the focus of our mind that we put on them that is really important. And when it's we, not to say don't think about it. It's to say you can shift awareness to something else. Yeah, I just feel a little achy. That's it. Um, my feet feel fantastic and they have for weeks and I'm incredibly grateful for that. I'm incredibly grateful because you know when something hurts and it they hurt, they were so sore. Like you have that thought of like, am I, like, am I always going to have sore feet for the rest of my life? And then it's like, okay, well, I, I guess I could live with that. But my feet feel fantastic. So what I'm doing is is definitely working and healing. And I think also taking a break after Mendo and then just building the run back up. I mean, I think my longest run going into this race is eight and a half miles, which was on the trail. I've been doing like two hour, just chill trail runs on Fridays. Um, so I haven't really, I think my longest like road run was like six and a half miles, seven miles, but it'll be fine. I I'm think not concerned about no. that at all. And I, I think time is more important. So two hours on the trail to me is more important than going out and slogging on the road on hard surface just to try to get in 10 or 12 miles to get closer to the 13. And I get it. Like when you're first starting, like I get it. I did it. Like I was like, oh, I have to run a half marathon before I run, before I do a half Ironman. I did all that stuff and it helps. Like you got to do, you got to, you got to honor yourself and where you're at. And if you think something's going to bring you confidence and you really feel confident about that thing bringing you confident, then go do it. Go do it. I mean, I did it. I I did that leading up to Ironman. I ended up with a stress reaction and pool running for five and a half weeks. Um, but that pool running for five and a half weeks, you know, and then going out and doing Ironman Coeur like that gave me massive confidence. Like I can do an Ironman after, after pool running for five and a half weeks. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no wrong answer. Feel into where you are. Honor where you are. There's no wrong place to be. And um, and be in acceptance of where you are and move forward from there. Keep moving towards your goals. There's nothing you can't achieve. 
And if you believe you can't achieve it, that's just the thought that you focused on because a belief is a thought that we think about. I know. That's it. Isn't that so easy? Super basic. Beliefs are just thoughts that we practice. That's it. But we make them personal and we make them a part of our identity and then that's where we can get defensive about them or or we need to fight for them. And um, sure, things can be important to you and part of your values. I've definitely got like, you know, a belief that I think we should all be doing the least amount of harm in any given situation. It's a really strong belief of mine. Um, but that is something that I've practiced, something that resonates with me. But it is just a series of thoughts that I've thought, you know. So, and I've also had other thoughts that haven't been very kind about myself or my abilities. And um, those are the ones you want to look at, the ones that don't feel good, the ones that don't serve the collective. And then verbalizing them, the words are powerful. So when you verbalize those things about yourself, others jump on board mm-hmm. with it yeah, and create a whole cycle of things. So yeah, beliefs are, beliefs are something you can, you can bust, you know. You want to talk about fear? Sure. Because <laughs> we've been having some talks with some people about fear, fear of the water, fear of open water. I would say fear of open water. Fear of op- Yeah, fear of open water. Let's go there. Fear of open water. I mean, there's fear of other things, but fear is fear. Um, so if you have a fear of the open water, um, it's like, when you see the neighbor that you don't want to talk to in the grocery store and you shoot over to the next aisle and you manage to avoid them, um, it's not solving the problem. So the fear of the open water, if you just don't ever go in the open water, the fear is going to find something else in your life to attach to. So we want to look at fear. We want to see what fear is and um, and the anxiety that is kind of like right there with it, right? And anxiety is fear of fear. It's fear of fear. And so I think if we don't get a hold on that thing, then we're going to have another condition that's going to be fear of fear of fear, (laughs) right? And yeah, I used to have anxiety. I used to have panic attacks. Like in the, I've had them in the water, but I've had them even before I started being a triathlete. I had them in my life. Um, It's terrible. It's awful. But truth. Like, what's the truth? What's the truth of the moment? How do you work with athletes in fear of open water? Well, I have one right now, new to triathlon, um, working. Yeah, that's the that's the baptism of triathlon right their there. Way into it, it's, we've all been there. But it's so it stirs up a sense of uh, uh, doubt and and probably a little bit of unworthiness and fear that you'll never be able to do this or you're not good enough to do this. You know, it stirs, it, it goes deeper than just trying to get into the water. But how I work with it, and I've, I've had success numerous times, is, you know, one of the beliefs that I have, which is just a little bit every day over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to swim across the lake right now. That's that's not what we need to do. We need to get ourselves to the lake, like, Step one is just put get yourself to the lake. And if you can get to the lake and just be at, be at the lake, if that's step one, celebrate that as a success and go home and get on the bike and do your thing, right? And then do it again, you know, two days later. Same thing, get to... And be in acceptance of what it is that you're achieving in that day because there's going to be that little voice with the megaphone that's going to say, well, you should be 
swimming across the lake. Right. So what's the truth? I'm not swimming across the lake. So how should I be swimming across the lake when I'm not swimming across the lake, right? It's like shitting. So wait, what is that? A wake athlete season one or two? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Such stop, a good one. stop shitting on yourself and if others. you should you should you would like, be should you, would, you? Do, you would be doing it like should if you, you should be doing it you, you would be doing it right but you're not so you're not stop. so how should you be doing something that you're not doing and yeah. that's that's a tricky one but that's we got to control the mind you guys we got to control the mind like if you want freedom in your life you got to control the mind and so the should thing just that's low-hanging fruit throw it out because you shouldn't be doing something that you're not doing because you're not doing it so how should you be doing it so go on. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, and just taking steps, baby steps. So you start going to the you start going to the lake. Then maybe you get out of the car and you actually like put your wetsuit on and put your feet in the sand, or maybe you actually step into the water. There's another step, right? So you're playing the role. You're getting yourself familiar with this. I think swimming is such a great metaphor. In terms of of doing something that that you should be able to do mm-hmm. and not doing it, because we we expect ourselves, most of us. I'm going to put us in this big bucket that says most of us didn't grow up swimming. Most of us didn't do that. I didn't. I mean, I was in the water. I, I you know, I took the little swimmy class, whatever, when I was a kid, and I went there with my family. But I never was like immersed in swimming laps and and. And feeling that, so now we're adults and we're trying to get into triathlon, and we're saying, "Oh, we sh- we should be able to swim, right?" Because we're adults, we should know this by now. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We don't. We don't. We need to. We need to familiarize ourselves with this unfamiliar environment that we, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we're in this body of solution two to three hours a week. How many hours in a week? And you expect to be like a master at swimming? Like that is, that's an, that's a really high expectation, in my opinion, that you should be able to do all of, uh, be, be at the peak performance in swimming in, a, in an environment that you really don't have experience yeah, in. Yeah. I mean, if that's your goal, okay, make it your goal, but uh, to have it instantaneous is, um, Takes time. An unrealistic desire. Unrealistic desire, yes. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. But it, it, meet yourself where you're at. You talked about that before. Meet yourself where you're at. So this athlete is is doing this, like getting to the water, putting the wetsuit on, and actually went in the water and actually swam across, and it wasn't that cold. They said it wasn't that cold, and they were fine, hmm. right? So my point is they would have never even stayed most people would never even step foot because they've they've decided long before they even got in the car to go to the lake that they weren't going to do it for whatever number of reasons the mind wants to conjure up and believe in and create a belief around whatever thought there's 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day so it's going to cling to some of those and really form this strong belief <clears throat> but if you just take it a little by little just begin like the 30 by 100s i could not do that if i didn't do one 100 years ago. So everything takes, just takes time. Just be kind to yourself. You'll get to where you need to go, but step back and just meet yourself where you're at now and have some, have some self-love, right? Some self-love and acceptance that, that you're powerful enough 
in who you are today to take you where you want to go tomorrow. Trust. Trust that. And uh, this athlete is doing it, like doing it. Not just the athlete. There's plenty of athletes on the team that are facing fear of open water. What about fear of the ocean and its inhabitants? <laughs> yeah, that's. I think I've talked about that on here where, yeah, there's there's stuff in there. And we have friends, Sabrina's, uh, Sabrina Houston's like philosophy of like, I'm just a tiny speck. This ocean is enormous. I'm just a little speck. And this is someone who swam across, you know, from Catalina, did the Catalina crossing. Yeah, um, I love that. We, I think we asked her on the podcast after she did the Catalina crossing, like about sharks, which I'm, I'm learning, like, you don't ask marathon swimmers that because they're just like, it's such a rookie question. <laughs> but we all want to know, like, aren't know. you scared of sharks? But she was just like, I don't even think about them. You know, like the ocean's so big and I'm small and, you know, it's not like they're looking for us. Um, but something like that, also like fear is an energy that affects your vibrational resonance. And so fear is, fear is something we really want to look at and practice being calm in the face of. And look for truth in those moments because if we are buying into the stories around it, um, we're, we're heavily affecting our attraction point and we are attracting actually what it is that we fear or it's equal. And that's just the way it works. It's not a punishment. But like BJ said, just a little bit over time and also – so I think if you're talking about the ocean, swimming with people, and I remember when we started getting into the ocean here, there's a guy like on Monday nights and he has like the shark thing on his, he has like the shark. Um, repellent. Yeah, shark repellent. Radar thing. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's something around his ankle. And I was just like, all right, I'm swimming next to that that guy. Like at all costs, I'm swimming next to that guy. And so, um, you know, I have a little ritual when I go into the ocean. I just, uh, I walk in, I feel the water. I, I ask for permission to enter. I ask, um, to be protected. I thank the ocean for welcoming me in. I ask to become a part of her world and that I'm just there to pass through and, um, and that I respect her because ocean so powerful and um and I just thank I thank her and I thank the universe for my safe passage and I don't and I do it very calmly so if you're doing it from like an energy of you know nervousness <laughs> and panic like oh my god keep me safe like it it doesn't work like you you want to be steeped in that calmness so feel the ocean feel her feel your feet in the sand get yourself grounded what is the truth of the moment you're safe right now and so i think ocean too whether it's um sharks or stingrays or jellyfish jellyfish or the waves um you know like beach was saying get in. You know, I used to do this. Well, let me finish what I was going to say, and then I'll sh share a practice I used to use. You know, get in there, get yourself more familiar with it because experience is, is everything. And I remember when we were back in Rhode Island, I would go and I would swim open water because you were like not having open water back there. You were, I think you were scared and you weren't doing it. Um, 
And I remember I would go to Third Beach and I'd go by myself sometimes. And it was like a cove, so it felt pretty safe. Um, but I would also do this when we were just at the beach hanging out. And I would just float on my back. And I would breathe. And I would notice the fear. And I would breathe. And I would notice the fear. And I would breathe. And I would notice the fear. And I would breathe. And I would just be like, I'm safe. Like, I trust. I trust. And I would just float there. Like... Am I floating out to sea? Am I floating into a shark? Am I floating into, you know, something that's going to hurt me? And I would just lie there and I would just practice trust and relaxing. And I would do that for, I don't know, a few minutes. I would count the breaths. I started with like five breaths and I think I got up to like 30 breaths of just resting and relaxing. And that changed so much for me. I feel that relaxation when I'm out there in the ocean now. Yeah, and it's a great tool. I think breath, again, is, is powerful in these circumstances where we can shift awareness from the what could possibly go wrong versus just be in the moment <clears throat> and what could go right. I tend to, uh, my theme lately has been to to view the ocean as it's there to support you. It's there, it's there to carry you. It's there to um, not do any harm, but it also knows that it's pretty powerful. It just doesn't know that you know how to work with it yet. So it's always going to support you. And I feel like even if I tumble in the waves and get thrown, it's going to bring me back to shore. So this is my belief. This is just what I choose to believe. So I always feel like when I'm in the ocean, I'm creating, I'm creating a, a relationship and a partnership with it. Like, I know you're here to support me. So when it was chop suey the other day and Daniel and I were in it, it's actually quite fun because you get tossed and, and moved around a little bit. And then a, a rogue wave, not a rogue wave that you would think of, but <laughs> one that is bigger than the others in this instance, close to shore. You'll just, I just relent to it, just ride it over. And then if my arm is like way up in the air, like I'm raising my hand, it'll come back down to, to take a stroke and just, just feel the flow. Just feel that, that ebb and flow of the ocean. Cause the ocean is, is just stating its presence and it's doing what it's supposed to do. But I believe it's always supporting. I believe it's always welcoming and supporting. And it may not be how we expect it to be. But I believe when we're in it, we are a guest, that we effort too much. And when we begin to have less resistance and, and kind of in easefulness in the efforting, the ocean will work in partnership with us. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we got to respect nature. It is so powerful. And so this is kind of the same thing of somebody going on the trails with mountain lions and bears and things like that. Same thing. Like... Um, <clears throat> we want to respect nature, but we really want to watch like our vibration. We're never going to lose that part of us that says, you know, there's danger here, turn back. You're never going to lose that inherent wiring, um, for survival. But, uh, I kind of think, no, I don't kind of think it's just fear's gotten out of hand. Um, and, so another thing that you can do as we wrap this up is watch what you're consuming. Um, I'm like media, news, this, all this stuff's leaving an impression on your mind. And so fear is fear. 
uh, what you're searching for and reading. If you hear of something that happened, you know, there's that part of the mind that's like, oh, I want to hear about that crime, you know, and it's just watch what you're doing. All of this is feeding into that. Also what you're eating, um, you know, the foods that you're eating, high vibrational sattvic foods, more pure foods are of course going to serve your body well, but they're also going to serve your mind too. Um, so specifically, of course, I'm talking about animal products, really watch those limit or eliminate them. Um, because there's fear in there as well. So there's a lot of things that you can do outside of the open water swimming that can help you heal fear. Um, and then there's a lot of things we can do outside of open water swimming that can expand fear. So, um, yeah, watch the consumption, mental consumption and physical consumption of things that are associated with fear because that's not going to help you move through what it is that you want to move through and achieve the goal that you should expect to achieve. You should. Should. <laughs> Stop shooting. <laughs> I, I love, love that. It. Um, All right, we're going to wrap this up? Yeah, we're going to wrap this up. We're heading out to Oregon in less than two days, and we're going to do a SmackDown. I'm going to bring our travel mics. I hope they sound good. And then we're actually going to launch this, and then we'll launch the SmackDown the following week. Okay. So I like that. We'll see how it all goes. I'm so pumped. Ah, yeah, Awesome. Cool. Okay, cool. Thanks, everyone. I hope you took away some nuggets. I think we covered, um, my God, fear, doubt, expectations don't shut on people attachment i think we covered it all we should probably just cancel the show from here on out <laughs> all right thank you thank you everyone <laughs> i don't want to end the show with saying we're going to cancel the show we're not going to cancel the show oh if you're in oregon let yeah, us know if you, oh well well this is going to go after we're in oregon all right so scratch so that. it's great to see you in oregon